the Bible Study Podcast, episode 116. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke chapter 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're eight chapters right now into the book of Luke, which puts us at the one-third point. So we still have quite a lot of the book to go, and so let's continue on here. Luke chapter 9 starts this way. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all about what was going on, and he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, who then is this that I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done going to stop there, which is only halfway into a verse, to deal with this first section. It's interesting to note that here, before Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, he already gives the apostles, gives the disciples, this ability to drive out demon and to heal. Now, we should note that if there isn't healing going on in our churches, that, from a biblical standpoint, is abnormal. That the gift of healing is something that the Bible says is given. We should be praying with the expectation that God, who is capable of healing at this time, is still capable of healing. And I think we can look at several places in the world and in the church where those sort of things are still going on, but they may not be a part of our everyday experience. I think that says more about our faith than it does about God. There's two different occasions where Jesus sends out people in pairs. This is the sending of the twelve, and there's also later the sending of the seventy. And he gives them his authority again, and they go out throughout the land announcing the kingdom of God. And it's interesting that he tells them not to take a lot of provisions here. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. They are supposed to be supported by the people who they are bringing the good news to. Moreover, if they're not well received, he tells them to shake the dust from their feet. A very evocative image of a rejection of those who are rejecting the kingdom of God. And this whole thing that's going on is perplexing to Herod because now he gets reports from all over the place because Jesus is in one place and the disciples are in different places and all sorts of reports, all sorts of rumors are filtering through the land and people aren't getting the story right even. And so Herod, who's already executed John the Baptist, is not sure whether he has come back or whether it's one of the prophets or whatever, and so he tries to see Jesus and doesn't get a chance to. And we're not told that here, but we're told that later on in the Bible. And then, to continue on the thought here that I started in verse 10, they come back, they tell Jesus what they've done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. 
Late in the afternoon the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About five thousand men were there. But he said to the disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to the heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. And so this is, of Jesus' miracles, one of the biggest and most public. The crowd here of 5,000 men, plus women and children, we learn in the other accounts. So more than 5,000 total in the crowd, Jesus feeds. And he feeds from very little. A couple different things we learn about Jesus here and about God. One is that God is in some way not confined by the rules of physics that he seems to bind us with that somehow he can take this food and he can multiply it in a way that we don't understand, a way that is miraculous. Now, there are some commentators, we should say, and I think of Barclay, whose commentary in general I find useful, but not on anything miraculous, because as far as I can tell, he does not believe in the miraculous. And so Barclay says, well, at this point, what happened is everybody was so moved by the generosity that they brought out their hidden stash of food, and that's why everybody had so much to eat. Which I don't think really makes a lot of sense, because the disciples were there, and they were eyewitnesses of this, and it's recorded in multiple Gospels, and they understood that this was a miraculous event, and also it's noted in the other Gospels that the people understood that this was a miraculous event. They go and take Jesus, I believe it's according to Matthew's Gospel, and try and make him king right here on the spot. And so this is a miraculous thing that's going on. God can multiply our resources so that they are enough. We don't have too little when we're trying to do what God wants us to do. If God wants us to do something, he can provide the resources and he can make things work. This is a repeat of the miracle that happened with the prophet Elijah and the widow he stayed with who had only a little bit of flour and oil, and yet that little bit of flour and oil never got turned into a lot of flour and oil. It just didn't run out through the length of the famine that he stayed with this widow. This seems to be something that is characteristic of God. And I'm going to do a couple different examples. So we talked about the widow and the flour and the oil. We talked about them starting here with the feeding of the 5,000 with a little food. We could also look at the manna in the wilderness, how they're given enough manna for today. They're not given too much. They're not given more than will last a day. In fact, if they try and keep it more than a day, it gets wormy and rotten. Unless, of course, it's before the Sabbath, in which case it will last two days. So five days a week, it will last one day. One day a week, it will last two days. And one day a week, it doesn't come at all. There's something about God that God doesn't seem to want me to win the lottery and never have to bother him again in prayer. God seems to be more interested in me continually coming to him daily 
with me building a relationship with him through prayer, through Bible study, through the support of the fellowship, then he is interested in me just being taken care of by one lump generous gift. He seems to be more interested in doing things with five loaves and two fish so that we know that we can rely on him, that he is capable of providing. He seems to be more interested in doing something with a jar of flour and oil that doesn't run out, but doesn't become plentiful so that we can understand that we can rely on him. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I think this tells us something about God's priorities. His priorities are not the same as ours. He is interested more in our relationship than in any other thing. He is interested more in our depending on him than he is in granting us independence. Now, granted, I still pray occasionally that he will decide to change his mind and let me win the lottery, and I'm sure I could put that money to good use, and I even buy a ticket every year or so just to make sure that he hasn't changed his mind. But so far, he seems to be more interested in dealing with me day by day than in providing for me once and sending me off on my own. And we should also note here that when God does provide... He provides enough so that everyone was satisfied. He didn't just provide enough to keep them alive. He provided enough there was even food left over. That God is a generous God, but a generous God who wants to be in relationship with us every day. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast because the next section I want to deal with all is one thought. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.